go with me to Isaiah, the sixth chapter. Uh, I would like to kind of follow up on the on the thought that I started last week entitled 21 seconds that will change your life. 21 seconds that will change the life of others and 21 seconds that has the ability to change the world. And uh, we brought to your attention, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him to teach them how to pray the way that John had taught his disciples. We believe John's disciples prayed Psalms 23, which uh, begins with praise and concludes with praise. And as Jesus began to share with them how to pray, uh, this prayer got labeled uh, the Lord's Prayer. The Catholic Church calls it Our Father Prayer. Uh, but really, it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's our prayer. And uh, Jesus gave it to us to pray. And as you begin to dissect the prayer, you begin to go through the prayer, you realize the prayer begins with worship, hallow, worship, holy, and then it ends with worship. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So God has put in our spirit the ability to praise him in good times and in bad times. There will be bad times. I think I think I think I made it obvious earlier that things will happen. Last night, minding my own business, driving my own car, front wheel drive, the axle chooses to fall out. I didn't plan that. And I prophesy over that car that it I prophesy the AC will work. That's about all I prophesy over it. Uh, but I, I got to thinking, you know, it's been a long time since this car broke down. So, uh, you know, praise God, I've got the money. I've got the money to fix it. So every day in your life, you're going to find that you're not immune to the challenges that you face. But we have a friend that sits closer than a brother, and we could go to him at any time of day, any hour, any minute, and call upon him. There was an old song in the red hymnal that we used to sing growing up. And it says, I, it says uh, there are days I'd like to be all alone with Christ my Lord. I can tell him all my troubles all alone. The Bible talks about walking in the garden with God. We, we see that in the garden when God created Adam and Eve, that God allowed them to enjoy the garden, all the fruit of the garden, the ability to name the animals, all the animals. I'm sure that took a while and God said, every day in the cool of the evening, I want to talk to you. I want to, I want to, I want to fellowship with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to koinia with you. And we know that God the Father, God the Word, and God the Spirit went through something maybe called loneliness. And so God created us and limited himself in us. And so every day God expects some kind of time with you, whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the evening, whether you have such a busy schedule I've always said if you've got too much going on during the day, get up 10 minutes early. Just, 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 give, just give God a cup of coffee. Just go out and, and just pour a cup of coffee and get alone. You don't have to say a whole lot. Sometimes God will speak in that moment, and we have the ability to listen. I was uh, kind of noticing on my phone that uh, seven or eight times a day do I talk to Pastor Rhonda uh, just on the phone. Just the phone. There's a connection. There's we speak in the morning. We wake up together and, and get over our grouchiness with tea and coffee, and then we enjoy a few minutes in the morning. Then I go my way. She goes her way, and mid-morning we connect. Then we connect after lunch, and then in the evening we will visit. We will talk, and uh, that's all. That's all that God expects. He wants from you what you don't have a problem giving to others. 
And I, I want you to know that God cares about where you're at. He cares about what you're going through. And he has the ability to change your circumstances. And he has the ability to bless you. Aren't you proud and glad for that? As we look at the life of Jesus, we know that uh, Jesus prayed for Peter. He told Peter, so the enemy's after you, trying to trash you. But I pray for you, and you're going to be okay. In John 15, Jesus, pray, Jesus prays a what they call a unity prayer, and he prays that all the disciples, all the church will become one, even as he and the Father are one. And you talk about unanswered prayer. That is a prayer that has not yet been fulfilled. We are not one. There's division. There's separation. And if you've ever been concerned about your country, if you've ever been concerned about life as we know it financially, this is the season to be concerned. Who, who would ever have thought that we would be in this presidential race? Who would ever thought that we would be where we're at? And who would ever thought that even though facts, uh, facts portray that one of the candidates is, is dishonest and, and not, not trustworthy, that right now 50% of the nation will elect someone that has been caught in so many lives. And I'm not, listen, I'm not being political. I'm just telling you how bad things really are. Things are really bad, but God is not worried. God is not concerned. God said, I raise up, I pull down, I kill, I make alive. Uh, God loves his country. God, God, lo God loves his country, and God loves us. We are that remnant the Bible talks about that he said, I will not destroy you because there is a remnant among you. There is a holy people chosen and decides to follow me, and that's where we're at. We look, if the Lord were to return in the next 10 seconds, 150 million Americans would disappear. So we have a voice. We have a we have a we have a voice. We have a purpose. We have a destiny, and that is to enjoy the things of God and to share them with others as quickly as we receive them. Is that okay? He allows us to overflow with joy, so we can share that. Overflow with peace, so that we can share that. And God will put you strategically where you need to be. And I just wanted to to look look this morning at a few prayers that. Uh, that were brought to my attention. In the book of Kings, it talks about Elijah. Most of you know the story of Elijah. He was a prophet of God, and he confronted, he took on 350 prophets of Baal. Uh, their goal or their, their purpose was to call fire down from heaven to consume a sacrifice. And as you know, the prophets of Baal prayed all morning. They prayed all afternoon. The Bible says they even cut themselves in their frustration and finally, they realized they could not call fire down from heaven. I, Elijah prays a 53-word prayer, and in just a moment, fire completely consumes the sacrifice and completely fills the, where the water was. There was a fire, and there was a revival. They killed the 350 prophets of Baal, and that nation tried to turn back to God. One man's prayer, one man's action has the ability to change the world. When you look at the life of Jesus, the word said that over and over and over again that he would leave the disciples and he would spend the night in prayer. We know that he's praying for us now. We know that he ever liveth at the right hand of the Father making intercession. We have a lawyer that we cannot afford. We have a lawyer that is unbelievably phenomenal, and he is representing us, and he is interceding for us. In Revelation 1, uh, Brother Keith said that the hair of Jesus was white as snow. Uh, Stacy, when he resurrected and walked with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him. 
uh, there is a very good possibility that in the garden, Jesus suffered a physical ailment called hematidosis. There is a there is a there is a, a uh, an occurrence that can take place if you're going through um, uh, stress and frustration. What happens? The sweat glands burst with the blood, the blood, and the and you begin to perspire blood, and it turns your hair. We believe Jesus was a Jew, probably had dark hair. The uh, stress can turn your your hair white. And if you uh, have a mom and dad like me, they will tell you that when when I went through all my drugs and when Rhonda and I divorced, they claimed that I put all those uh, gray hairs there. I don't know if that's true, but I do know that before I started pastoring this church. I didn't have any gray hairs, and now I have a bunch of gray hairs, and sometimes I think that I have suffered hematidosis praying for you. Hello, do I have a friend in the house? But we know that, that prayer was so important to him that he scolded the disciples three times. He said, can't you just give me an hour? And I'm sure they were tired. I'm sure, you know, you walk everywhere. Uh, in Israel, there was no vehicle, so when they got from point A to point B, I'm sure they were tired. I'm sure they were weary. And, you know, that's why you need to pray when you're feeling good. You don't need to pray. I mean, if you wait till the end of the day and pray, when you lay down, you'll get about three sentences out, and then you'll be snoring. Can anybody relate? I have learned if I cannot, if I cannot go to sleep, I simply start reading my Bible. It, within just a few minutes, I fall asleep. I think the enemy does not like us reading the Word. But it's a great antidote, and, and it's, uh, it's there for us. When I, when I talk about 21 seconds, I just, I just for the uh, uh, fun of it, and by the way, the Lord's Prayer is a 67-word prayer. It can be prayed in 21 seconds. That's the theme or, or that's the thought, 21 seconds that can change your life. And we were, I, was, I was visiting with Pastor Rhonda yesterday about the 21 seconds and some of the things that you can do in 21 seconds, and if you've been watching the Olympics, uh, we watched the volleyball yesterday, and we watched the soccer, and uh, I enjoy. I really, I watch. I enjoy watching world-class athletes perform and compete. There's just something exciting, exhilarating about that. But in 21 seconds, a sprinter can run 220 yards. In 21 seconds, a hurdler can run the 120-yard low hurdle. In 21 seconds, a mom can have a baby. In 21 seconds, one can jump out of an airplane. In 21 seconds, there can be a, a tornado or a cyclone or a hurricane. In 21 seconds, there can be an earthquake. In 21 seconds, you can put a needle in your arm. You can swallow a pill. You can drink an alcoholic beverage. And so there's a lot of things that you can do in 21 seconds. I wonder, though, what would you pay or what would you trade or what would you give up uh, if God were to give you 21 seconds of his undivided attention? Do I have a friend in the house? I, you know, some of the things that God did in 21 seconds, he spoke the worlds into existence. In 21 seconds, he created light. In 21 seconds, he put a whale as a motel for an evangelist. In 21 seconds, he turned the water into wine. In 21 seconds, he fed the multitude with just a few fish and a little bit of bread. In 21 seconds, he put an air-conditioning unit in a fiery furnace. In 21 seconds, he put a drugstore slingshot in the hand of a 16-year-old child to kill a 13-foot giant. In 21 seconds, he put a jawbone of a mule in Samson's hand that, cl that, cl that declared death over a thousand. God can do a lot of stuff in 21 seconds. 
and he will do it for you. There's a song that says, he'll do it again. You may not know how, you may not know when, but he will do it again. And I wrote down a couple of things here concerning prayer. And uh, we know that there are several different types of prayer. There is the intercessory prayer that we begin to pray for others. I felt a nudge this week to call a, a dear, precious friend in Waco, Texas, Incredible church, incredible attitude, just a phenomenal. We have both been there. Pastor and I have been there. We will go back. And I just, I just, I, I was just driving down the road, and I called him, and and uh, he began to share with me that he's going through one of the greatest decisions in his life. Just a, just a nudge. I think that I think that God will give us nudges. That in intercessory prayer, there has to be expectation. There has to be an expecting, an answer, a breakthrough, a deliverance. When Elijah prayed for the dead boy, he didn't resurrect the first prayer. Three times Elijah prayed for the boy, and, and the Bible says the boy came back to life. So there is a intercessory prayer. There is a prophetic prayer. It's very easy for you to look at John 15. Jesus prayed prophetically that the disciples become one. I believe today you can prophetically pray for your loved ones, for your friends, for your business, for your health, and have some kind of expectation that God is going to answer. And let me tell you something. There is no thing that is insignificant to God. There's no thing. Yesterday we were working on a rental. Christine was there cleaning by herself. We locked her in. There wasn't any challenges whatsoever. But her phone went dead. And she lost the ability to communicate. And uh, she got a little worried. And, uh, and she prayed for her phone. And her phone came back on. You say, that's silly. That's exactly the way that God rolls. If, if, you, if you think it's silly and it's unimportant, then don't pray it. But if it's important to you, then pray it and see if God will not divinely intercede and God will not bless. If you'll look, at me, with, if you'll look with me just for a minute at Luke, the 11th chapter, and the second verse, I wonder, yes, I can see the second hand of a, there is a God, I can see. I just, I just want us to take a 21-second pause. Are you ready? Beginning now. Wow, that's a long time. Oh, I'm, I jumped the gun. The clock lied to me. It does that all the time. 21, 21 seconds. 21 seconds that can change your life. Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. I will be very frugal this morning with our time and get right to what I felt like that God has for this church. Connected with someone that attended this church a long time ago. And they begin to comment on what they learned by attending the house of God. If we, Keisha, if we wanted to, we could stand up here and dive into the deep, hidden things of God. And we could look at all of those theological, eschatological um, areas of the Bible. And we would enjoy it, but it probably would not benefit us. But we can come to the house of God, and we can be a part of a ministry that is a how-to ministry, how to be a better dad, how to be a better, better husband, 
how to be a better Christian, how to pursue your destiny, how to prepare for your destiny. You know, if God has called you to fly an L-1011, then you probably need to go to flight class and learn how to fly. If God is teaching you to, that you're going to be a millionaire, then you take a business class and learn how to spend and learn how to invest your money. Am I talking to anybody in the house today? It is so easy. I've, I've been ministering the past two weeks with several love God, love this house, want to come. But once you get out of the flow of going on to the house of God on Sunday morning, it's tough to it's tough to get back in that flow because a lot of people, the, the week blows by. They work on Saturday. Sunday's the only day they have to get caught up and do stuff they need to do. So if you ever get out of the the the, the mode of going to the house of God, it's tough to get it's tough to get back in. It really is. And sometimes there are distractions, sometimes there's a job, sometimes there's just challenges, sometimes we're just lazy. Sometimes we just lazy and say, I just want to sleep in one day. I just want to sleep in late, eat a late breakfast, go do a brunch in Chattanooga or whatever. And so we realize the enemy's number one task today is to keep you from the house of God and to keep you from the things of God and to keep you from worshiping, to keep you from praising, and to keep you from expecting. Prayer should be consistent. Prayer should be persistent, and prayer should be adamant. You should have the attitude of God is going to work this out. All I got to do is give him some time, give him some space, give him some attitude, give him some participation. I will do my part and know that God will do his part. Anybody relate to that in the house of God that you have you have learned how to wait. They that wait upon the Lord. You've learned how to wait for the things of God, and a lot of times we get so frustrated because it doesn't happen in just a moment or just a day or just a week. May I remind you, you didn't get to where you're at in just a moment, in just a day, in just a week. There are things that God has to work for your good. There are plans that God has to perform. There there are decisions that God has to make. And the Bible says when you have done all, just stand. Stand with your armor. Stand with the attitude of, I'm not going to stop praying just because I didn't get a breakthrough. Now, some of us older uh, saints in here can relate to the old-fashioned altar where people went to the altar to get a breakthrough. Now, I'm not exactly sure what a breakthrough was, but I know that everybody would get around them and they'd begin to pray and they'd slam the altar and they'd get the Bible and put the Bible on the person's face and I know you never went to a church like that. But then all of a sudden, the person that had the Bible all over their face would let out a scream that would terrify demons and then get up and start running around the building. And I, as a kid, I would always chase them. If they're running, I'm going to take off and see if I can catch them. And uh, that's what happens when you grow up in the house of God. I used to eat the gum off the bottom of the pew. That's so much time we spent at the church and how much the church was my second home. You don't see a whole lot of that today. You don't see a whole lot of screaming or running or, or rejoicing. Uh, but, but if you choose to run around the building and worship, I will probably chase you and see if I can, see if I can catch you. And, uh, but that, that, that thought of praying through, that thought of getting alone with God until you receive something where A.A. Allen went to the closet for three days and said, I'm not coming out of here until I hear from you. Jacob wrestled all night. with. When's the last time you wrestled all night with God? 
wrestled all night with God and said, I'm not letting you go until you tell me your name because Jacob knew there was power in the name, in that name Yahweh, in that name Jehovah, in that, in that name Abba. Jacob knew if I can get the name of God, whatever name that I get, I know that my life can be changed. And it was almost daybreak, and the angel, which we believe to be the Lord, reached over and touched him, did not tell Jacob his name, but changed Jacob's name, which means deceiver, to Israel, which means people of God. And from the loins of Jacob, from the 12 sons and daughter, and several daughters that he had, Israel, the nation, was birthed and it was born because Jacob said, I refuse to let go. And Jacob was, Jacob was a guy that he was deceitful, he was crooked, uh, he didn't always do the right thing. But you know what? God seems to use those kind of people that don't have it all together, don't have all their ducks in a row. Some of God's greatest champions have been people that have failed. Noah got drunk. Moses killed somebody. And Moses saw a burning bush and chose to go to the bush and talk to the bush. And the bush talked back. Beware in your Christian walk when burning bushes begin to talk back. Because you've entered to a brand new level of either insane or a level of, of devotion with God that I envy and would like to be a part of. In Isaiah, the sixth chapter, Isaiah is the nephew of the king. I want you to think about that just for a moment. If you were the nephew of the president of the United States, what doors would that open? What places would you be able to go? What carte blanche would be assigned to you? What could you participate in if you were the nephew of the president of the United States? Isaiah enjoyed that relationship. He enjoyed those perks. He enjoyed that favor. But the Bible says in the year that King Uzziah died, Uzziah died, I saw, you don't have to have it up there. I just, you have to take my word for it. I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. Mishi had got his eyes off of God. He got his eyes off the things of God. He was excited about being the nephew of the king. He was excited about all that favor, all those perks, all those blessings that he stopped looking for God. He stopped pursuing God. He stopped trying to find out what God was all about. But when Uzziah dies, it gets his attention. And there are a lot of times in life that a death, a car wreck, or a jail sentence will turn people around and turn them back to God. Someone said, well, everybody gets Jesus in jail. That's absolutely right, because that's where he's at. He didn't come for the healthy, the whole. He came for the criminal. He came for the crook. He came for the alcoholic, the drug addict, the, the jealous, the envious, the, the haters. That's who, he came, that's who he came for. And so Isaiah has lost that. He's lost that hunger, that desire. But his uncle dies, and he loses all that favor. And then also he sees the Lord high and lifted up and his train or his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain they covered their face, with twain they covered their feet, and with twain they did fly. And one cried out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. What a powerful what a powerful observation when we pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. If you had a pocket mirror 
and you would hold it up and catch a reflection of heaven, you would see millions of angels that rest not day and night, and they're constantly worshiping, and they're constantly praising, and there are three that we know, seraphims that guard the throne, and we know these seraphims have their feet covered, so you cannot tell where they've been, where they're going. They have their face covered, so their glory will not take away from the glory of God. And with two wings they flew. That was their purpose. That was their destiny. And as they say, holy, 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 watch this. As the angels declare he is holy, earth is affected and earth is filled with the glory of God over angels that rest not day and night that are praising God right now. If the praise of the angels can bring results to earth, how much more can the prayer of saints bring God's presence to earth? When you think about it, and the whole earth is full of the glory and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. Praise will move doors that are closed to you. Praise will open doors that belong to you. Praise will keep you from going places you're not supposed to go, keep you from doing things you're not supposed to do. But praise is your connection to God. If you'll notice how Isaiah <coughs> relates to this. Verse 5. Then said I, woe is me, I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Notice the observation when Isaiah looks up and sees God's glory. He begins to look in and take self-inventory. How many times have you brought a need or a burden to the altar and then realized there was an area of your life that was out of order and you felt like you had to make it right before there was expectation of God's favor ever? The word says, if you have ought in your heart against your brother and you bring your gift to the altar, that gift is you, you bring your gift to the altar, and you're reminded you have ought with your brother, you are to leave your gift there, you're to leave your expectations there, you leave your miracle there, and you go to the person you have ought with. If they don't receive you, that's not your bad. But it's your bad if you know someone has burnt you, wronged, wronged you, cheated against you, frustrated you, and you feel it every time you wake up, every time you go to bed. During the day, you have thoughts of, of pain and, and anger and bitterness and roots of bitterness, and you have that in you. You have got to confront that, and you've got to allow God's power to lead us not into temptation but deliver us from all evil. But you've got to do your part. There's something you've got to do. There's something that you've got to take, take care of. And the minute that Isaiah sees God's glory, he realizes how inept and how dysfunctional and how messed up he is. And notice what he addresses. My mouth is out of order. And the people that I hang around with, their mouth is out of order. And, you know, for weeks and months we've been sharing with you, hang around people that celebrate you. Hang around people that bless you. I did a sermon several years ago on Selah, uh, just resting in the things of God. And, and one of the employers in Chattanooga was so uh, bl blessed by the message that he brought me. And I shared the message to his entire staff. There are times in life when your battery just runs down. 
It just, it, it just runs down. And if you want, you can put a quick charge on it and 20 minutes be out of there. Or you can put a, tr a slow trickle charge where overnight the battery charge is up to full capacity and that's where it operates. If you quick charge the battery, the battery develops a memory. Have you heard that before? If you, if you charge your phone before it goes all the way dead and charge it right about here, that battery has a memory and it remembers that's where it was charged every time and it will become dysfunctional when it gets to that part. How crazy is that? David said, I got to take a selah. I got to take a pause, which means pause and think about what God has done. Pause and think about the favor. Think about the blessings that God has provided you. There are times in your life when you will find there are people in your life that just drain you. They drain you. They drain all your energy, all your joy, all your. It's just like it's just like when you get off the phone, or when you leave them, it's like. Man, I am trash. I am burnt out. I, can anybody relate? I, you don't have to lift your hand, but I remember several years ago, um, if I told you some of the things that I counseled, you would not you would not believe me, so I won't take time. But it had been one of those days, Chris, where it was just like one after the other after the other. And so I got to a place where the, the people were talking, all their stuff going on, weird, crazy stuff. And I said, just a minute. And I walked out of the room, and I went in the men's bathroom, and I shut the door. I flushed the toilet. I turned the water on. I turned the fan on, and then I went, ah! I felt a lot better. Matter of fact, I felt good just then. Ah! It was like, shake it off. Uh, my God, you're, you're, you're burning me out. And you know what? Every obviously every Paul needs a Timothy. Obviously, there's someone you're going to mentor, you're going to help, you're going to bless. You're farther down the road than they are. And obviously, every everyone needs a Paul. You need a spiritual father. You need a you. But you don't have to fill your life with people that are just wearing you out, especially when you're giving them good, godly counsel and they're not submitting. Do I have a friend in the house that can relate? So here's what Isaiah said. My mouth has not been speaking the things of God. And I'm hanging around people that are not speaking the things of God. And when he said, my lips are unclean, for I have seen the glory of God. And there'll be times when you get in God's glory that you're just overwhelmed by, by integrity and overwhelmed by righteousness. You just want to hide your face in the carpet and just and worship in that, in that position. And that's a God thing. There's not, that's, that's humbling yourself in the eyes of the Lord and becoming aware of his goodness, his glory, how awesome he is. And then you'll stop telling God <coughs> about your problems, and you start telling your problems about God. It's amazing the breakthrough that you'll see when you start telling your, when you start telling your problem how big God is, how good God is. The, problem, the problems have a tendency to dissolve and disintegrate right there in that mode of worship and praise. So Isaiah said, I got, I've got away from the Lord. I've been hanging with my uncle. I've been partying. I've been playing. I've been having fun. But my uncle's dead, and his death has turned me back to the things of God. I've seen God. I've seen his presence, see what's going on, and I've determined that I am not worthy. I am, I am messed up. My mouth is messed up. My life is messed up. The people I'm hanging around, they're not talking about the things of God, the glory of God, their conversations, all about all other stuff. And when he decides that he is messed up and his mouth is messed up, an angel 
goes over to the apothecary altar, the, the place of incense that, that goes up and fills the Holy of Holies with that special recipe, that formula, that apothecary that God uh, created in Leviticus and says, don't use this smell for any other reason but worship because if you do, you'll be cut off from God. So there was a special fragrance there. There was a special uh, ambiance that was created there because the red hot coals was heating the cassia and the oil and the and I won't take time to there's six there's six ingredients plus oil which are seven ingredients and and as that worship begins to go up there in the presence of God an angel came over with a tongue and got a coal off that altar and touched the lips of Isaiah and immediately look at somebody and say immediately his mouth was restored, he was healed, he was whole, and he began to speak the things of God. That's the power of worship. That's the power of that type of prayer. Worship, obviously, is prayer. You're talking to God. We have learned that when we come together as two or three gather and we begin to declare to each other how good God is, that creates a horizontal plane that God can build upon. He dwells in the praises of people. When we create that plane, God comes down. And then when we transition, in every worship service, there's a transition, and we go from, we go from horizontal to telling one another how great God is, and then we start talking directly to God, vertical. You create a horizontal with one another. You create a vertical with your worship, and all of a sudden you find yourself in the shadow of a cross expecting a breakthrough, expecting a miracle, expecting restoration, expecting favor. That's why we need one another. That's why the word says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially as you see the last day and the things taking place and things going on. And again, I will not tell you how scary things are right now, but if you'll watch Fox News for 30 minutes, uh, and I'm not advocating Fox News. I was a big CNN fan. Pastor Ronald Hogg, the TV, and now it's Fox. But if you watch, if you watch Fox News for 30 minutes, you'll freak out and say, "Are we really here? Is this really going on? Did we just give Iran 400 million dollars, and we're going to give Iran a billion 300 million dollars?" When they are supporting Hezbollah and Ayatollah and all of that, really? That's what we're really doing? We're giving money to nations that hate our guts. It's China, we are so in debt to China, probably will not be able to get out of that debt, which will bring upon the war of the battle of Armageddon. But when you realize how bad things really are, if ever we needed to pray, if ever we needed to turn back to God, if ever we needed to intercede, I believe that time and I believe that season is now. So the angel, so watch what happens. He looks up in worship. He looks in in self-inventory and discipleship. And then notice what the angels have to say in verse. Let's go ahead and take, let's read verse 6. Then flew one of the serpents unto me, having a live coal's hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. That's the altar of apothecary. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Look at somebody say, Worship makes us clean, restored, healthy, whole, expecting. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? 
Then said I, here am I, send me. Notice, you, if you will, in this, exchange, in this exchange of worship, when the angel touched the lips of Isaiah and he was made whole, it opened the door for God to communicate to Isaiah. It wasn't the angel that says, whom shall I send? It was the Lord that says, whom shall I send? And because Isaiah had a restoration, a reformation, Isaiah says, here am I, send me. In a three-point sermon with the poem and a funny story and a prayer, here, here's where it is. He looked up and saw God in worship. He looked in and saw the need for discipleship. He looked out and realized that his destiny was evangelism. How crazy is that? We get right with God. We get right with ourselves. And then God can use us to touch those that are lost and undone without Christ or his son. I shared I had some family in this week. And uh, they go to a, a church in Phoenix. And they were talking a little about their church, talking a little bit about all that was, that was going on. And uh, I just casually asked the question, well, um, how, many a week, how, how many a week get saved? How many, how many a month get saved? How many a year get saved? And this church is involved in some very, very good stuff, but there wasn't any answer. Do you know it is my goal at, to lead at least one person to the Lord every week? That is my goal, to lead at least one person to the Lord every week. And shepherds don't really birth sheep. Sheep birth sheep. What happens, and I'll, I will conclude with this, what happens is that you're connected to people that are going through stuff like you're going through stuff, and they're not handling it very well. They're not doing very well. There's not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of vision. There's not a lot of energy. And all of a sudden, they see one of their peers that's living in the same environment, going through the same stuff, but yet they seem to have a smile on their face and they seem to have the ability to overcome all this stuff, and they are different from from them. They are different from them, and they get jealous, and they get hungry, and they get decided to find out why you're so happy. Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it therapy? Is it a massage? Is it that electronic thing they can zap your head with, which I tried. It doesn't work. Um, what, what, why are you different from them? And then it's like, well, I, I put all my trust in God. I'm going through stuff. God's going to work it with me. We're going to work it out together. I'm not alone. I have God's favor. God loves me. God cares about me. The world can't stand that. They can't stand that because it's like, well, my Michelob isn't solving my problem. Well, my Percocet is not solving my problem. Well, my tarot cards is not solving my problem. I got a problem. I'm unhappy. They got a problem. They seem to be happy. I want what they're drinking. Hello? I want what they're, and you have got Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have the answers to society's problem in you. And that's the 21 seconds that can change your life, their life, and the world. Can we pray together? You ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. Amen seals the deal. When you say amen, that seals everything that you just said. And Jesus.